Hello and welcome to episode 314 of Three Bears in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Colin. On a Friday night, it's a miserable, bleak Friday night compared to last week when we talked when it was like, you know, you know, hotter than the sun. Yeah, like, like record-breaking temperatures and, and now we're back to, to the Scottish world we live in now so well. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, as showing in Scotland is sometimes all seasons in one day, it's definitely all seasons in one week. I'm sure the snow will be on its way in the next couple of days. I have no doubt for that. I'm finding um, the, the, the early, darker nights, they've kind of caught me by surprise. I wasn't, bet, yeah. Yeah, I think we were out the other night, me and Lorraine, and we were going home, and it wasn't that late at all, and it was dark, and we were like, shit, it's it's, it's not light anymore. Um, so that so, kind of caught me off guard a wee bit. In the next two months, it'll be like dark at four o'clock. I know. It's, it's, as soon as it hits October, that clock changes, that's it. It's um, end of days for... Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing <laughs> happens. You're, you're you're pretty much just you wake up in darkness and you go to sleep in darkness. It's yeah, yeah, pretty much. You're less light than vampires. <laughs> so it's it's a working life, isn't it? Because you work when it's daytime, so you're in an office that, that kind of negates the daylight for you anyway. It's yeah, strange things. But yeah. we're hardly we're hardly Scotsmen. We're, we're hardly we're very hardly we can deal with it. <laughs> um, what are you drinking tonight, Colsey? Um, I'm drinking a, a beer called Harvest Pale, which is um. The finest blonde beer. The finest blonde beer. Apparently. From? Where's it from? Castle Rock Brewery. Maybe Stephen mm-hmm. King brewed it himself. Maybe. Maybe. Castle Rock is... It's not the town where everyone's set, but it's like a town he's used in the past, isn't it? Is that the kind of yeah, thing you mentioned? Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, I think the TV show is like a blending of everything that he's kind of done in one place kind of thing. Right. Does he uh, ever reference Castle Rock in his books? I can't really remember. I believe he does, but I can't. does. It's not because like I know like, it's settings at Derry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of set in Maine as well. Maine seems to be his favourite, you know. Maine, New, New England is a big yep. sort of thing. That's yeah. like Maine, Boston, um, Rhode Island, and all the kind of places. That's sort of. Yeah. Although I'm surprised that Stephen King's brewing beer and selling it to Asda. That's a strange one. I'm going to put it out there. I don't think it's Stephen <laughs> King, but it's coming from Nottingham. <laughs> All right, okay, so it's just a wee, wee jaunt down the road. But yes. um, it's it's quite nice. I was, I've was i never ever had it before, and I asked Lorraine to buy me a beer, and she came back with this. And it, it, it's quite generic tasting, but it's not overpowering. So like, if it's bad, it's not overly bad, and if it's good, it's not overly good. It just seems to be a happy medium that's a generic, goes down easy drink. Yes, that's, yes. that's what you want on a Friday night. Something yeah. nice, nice and chilled. Nice and light. What are you drinking, sir? Um, I've got a like, box of this, so I'm drinking Punk IPA from Brewdog. It's it's a classic, it's one I like, and I've got like 30 cans of it to get through. You, why have you got so many cans of it to get through? Um, our good friend Shu got his, um, for me for let me letting him stay, he, he bought me like, a crate of it, and then someone else bought me it for, I think, a birthday or something, so I've got like basically like, two crates worth of like Brewdog sitting in the fridge. So for the next 30 podcasts, you are Brewdog and it's a... Basically, yeah. unless unless I have a party or a barbecue or something, I start using some up with other people. But you know, it's like everything about barbecue. People bring their own beer over, so actually, rather than getting rid of some of my beer, I inherited more beer. So I'm like, mm-hmm. fucking hell, like, I need to get, I'm trying to get rid of this stuff. Not so but, people may but, get it for Christmas presents. You know, if like you get a wee thing, in your, in your, and then also <laughs> somebody, why do you give me two random cans? I'm just trying to get rid of it now. I'm just trying to get, trying to get rid of the beer out of my fridge. Good to see you're not going to be out in the barbecue anytime soon, sir. Um, no, definitely not. Maybe maybe if a Scotland game or something, maybe people will want to make and drink some Brewdog. That might be the, the way to do it. Speaking of, was there not a Scotland game the other day? Scotland-England? Possibly? There was. There was. Scotland lost 3-1 to England. It was um, a, t- a tough one to watch. Yeah, it was it a friendly match, so it wasn't like... Anything. I think friendly in the sort of the... 
the, 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 the loosest terms when it comes to Scotland v England, they, they still had a certain level of, of does nastiness it, to it. Does it still have that? Because I'm, I'm not big into football, but I do remember feeling like the 70s and 80s, there was like a, a fanaticism about it almost. Does it still I, I think it's, it's certainly still there. It's definitely, I think, more controlled now. You don't have the fights and the pitch invasion stuff now, but, mm. you know... You know, England's England commentators and England sort of press are still pissed off that the Scots booed the national anthem. Um, so that that's still kind of thrown back, and the Scotland fans were booing this one England player because he's shit and he ended up scoring an own goal. Um, and it's sort of like it's apparently we've been very mean to this player, and it's like, well, so yeah, I think there's definitely still animosity. I think both teams like to beat each other. I think we care about beating them a lot more than they care about beating us. But them beating us the way them to show like how the jocks are always kept down type thing, you know. So whereas, yeah, yeah, political overtones possibly, possibly. And like I've only ever seen Scotland beat England once in my entire lifetime at football, so I would like to see it happen again at some point. So it'd be nice. It might, it might. We just it need might. to master. We need to master beating teams like San Marino and stuff like that. We're first. doing that. We're, we're, we're doing that. It's now we beat everybody else. We couldn't go for this. We hurdle. So um, maybe next time we'll get them. We'll get them when it matters. We'll get them in a, in a, a World Cup final. Yeah. Wait for the big one. Wait for the big one. Aye, let, 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 let win all these ones and we'll win the big one. That's, that's I'm the plan. Like, I'm liking that enthusiasm, so yes, um, yes. that's a nonsense, but I'm liking it. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, we've got, we've got shit tons to talk about this week, so let's, mm. let's get further into it. So, cinema catch up. Anything you've been, what we've talked about recently, movie wise, that you've now seen that I've, that I've already seen? Um, yes, there is. Um, recently, um, you had watched Scream 6. Um, a couple months ago, I did, yes. I have eventually got around to watching it because it's now dropped on Sky Movies for anyone yep. out there looking for it. It's, it's now on Sky. Um, so I ventured into it the, the other night. Um, you were really, really, really big on this. You, you I enjoyed were, it. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was really well done, yeah. Um, I thought it was utterly generic and paper, paper thin. I think I'm just bored as fuck with the whole screen thing. It's like... I don't, I don't know, it just seems very stretched out. And I would argue that Scream is my generation's horror, whereas your generation's horror is probably like Friday the 13th or, or something along those lines. Like kind of 80s. 80s um, yes, whereas my horror, yeah, my horror is the one I remember that's been probably one of the first ones I can vividly remember being excited about because like, it came out in like, what, 97 or something like that? 97, 98, 96. So I was about 11, 12 years old when it came out. So this became my horror. So I came to things like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street much later. And for me, when I watched them, like, I, I, even the first one, which people called up as classics, I think they're a bit blur. And the sequels are just like even more blur. So. Yeah. I guess maybe with yourself, that's how you maybe look at the Scream franchise. It's, it's not your franchise, and then everything after it becomes a bit, you know, dull compared to it. It just seems to be rinse and repeat. I think it's a problem for me. Um, it well, just yeah. became very horrors are, really. Well, yeah, I, I guess, but, but this one, because I, I was kind of getting in with high expectations based on your review, and I'd read other reviews as well, and, and mm. even kind of the, the, the press and stuff, were, were, you know, saying this is amazing and it's you know so fresh and all that. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't get freshness. It just seems like the same old tropes, and it's just it screams becoming such a formula that, that you know you just kind of see it unfolding. Freshness came from a little bit from they took it out of like the. Like uh, Woodsboro, Woodsboro, uh, New York, which I thought added a new dimension to it. You know, like the, the scene on the subway train, I thought was really well done. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would, I'll give you the final act was a little bit yeah. over-egged and maybe not 
particularly holding together. But I thought all the stuff up until that point was pretty solid. Well done. Like, like the opening, I thought was brown when you've got Samara Weavings in the opening. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. And then, yeah. and then you've got like how that all unfolds. I thought that was really fresh and really well done. But it just it, it just seems like and I won't spoil it for anyone. But it just seems like the killers are getting more and more contrived. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like they're just fucking, you know, it's the thinnest grasp and. Hey, but know, is that that's licking. just a, that's just the trope of any kind of horror film. You can't get like the Saw films or yeah. the 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 one we did last summer films. Even your Nightmare on Elm Streets and all that kind of stuff. It, it's so even the Halloweens as well. Like some of the it's tangentially so tight so lazily tighties to try and like, make it fit in in some yeah. way so uh, I think yeah. that's the problem not necessarily with screaming just with horror right. in general horror in general um, but I, I didn't I didn't dislike it I do like you know I mean it was pretty gory compared to the other mm. ones you know the, the, the violence was um, you know every kind of slash and stab was done way with fucking venom you know there was proper yes. force of brutality in it so I, I didn't not enjoy it I just went in with higher hopes and I think I got them dashed a wee bit mm. um, Five out of ten. Harsh. I think I gave it a lot higher than that. I think you were up to seven, possibly. Maybe possibly eight. seven, yeah. Maybe yeah. seven, yeah. yeah. But then there, I think there's a lot of nostalgia for me as well with it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Not dreadful, not unwatchable, but disappointing. I think. I too. do like that they're kind of moving away from the nostalgia, like they're sort of lessening the the um, legacy characters. Yeah, which is a good thing. Um, good I, thing. I do I do like the new characters brought in, um, particularly mm. the, the girl that plays Je- what's her name Jenna. She's fit. She is very watchful, isn't she? She's very, very good, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she, she, she's very good. So I managed to catch that eventually. And um, the other one that I killed, I don't, I don't know why. Last night I was just bored for an hour and a half, and I thought I'm going to watch Bill and Ted face the music. And uh, what do you think of Bill and Ted face the music? It's fucking absolute trite. Um, I, I disagree. I actually enjoyed it a lot more than did I thought. Did you? No. I, I, I just think Alex Winter still seems to understand who Bill is. Yeah. I think Keanu's just outgrown Ted, I think. Oh, no, I've, I've, that's what I thought was it, 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 He, You don't want the character to be the same. He hasn't. He can't be the same character from... No, I know they so, can't be the same, but you can see Alex Winter as this is how he would be as an older character, but I, I don't know. I just think Keanu just seemed very kind of dry with it and serious and... You know I, mean? I think that's the point. He's a, he's a he's a kind of he's kind of he's a character who's sort of kind of sad in a way. Um, I will I will say I'm not happy with Keanu having no beard now. That that was upsetting to me a little bit. Yeah. You know, I don't like Keanu without a beard. Keanu has to remain with his beard. But like I would comp- take it as a legacy sequel, right? Um, when you're bringing back characters from like the early '90s and you're running again to try and see what you can do with it. Compare that to Clerks Three. And I would a hundred times take facing music over Clerks Three because I think you at least get there is there's there's a lot of joy in Clerks in um, facing music. You enjoy seeing the characters again, and there's a story that mostly holds, not perfectly, but it mostly holds for the majority of it. Whereas I think we we'll both agree Clerks Three is Ten. mostly trite. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I, it felt. Kind of almost the same vein as as uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot. Do you know I mean that that kind of it, level? It just veer into that at times. Yeah. But I, I think the most. I think it was actually a better legacy sequel than any of them. I was think a, it held a bit more. I, I actually, I, I, it wasn't anywhere near as good as the first two. Hundred percent mm. not. But there still had a lot of there's a lot of charm to it. I thought. Right, so I gave it a four out of ten. So oh, you're so harsh. You're so I, harsh. I, I, 
I'm ha- I'll get better. I'm warming up. I'm, <laughs> I'm warming up. Um, but I'm glad. I'm glad I've watched it. Um, I do. I do always enjoy seeing Keanu, and I forget how wonderful Alex Winter is because he, he's he's got bags and bags of charm. Um, you see who played? I think it was Kelly Carlin played a character in it. Who was she? I didn't notice. Who was Can't she? She's maybe one of the background characters. She's only in it for a little minute, but obviously that's George's Carlin's um, yeah yeah daughter. So she popped um, up in it. And it's good. That was not a wee clip of Rufus in it as well, from what I remember. A tiny wee hologram, yeah, he's in the film. I thought it was nice as well. I thought yeah, it was nice. That, that put a smile on my face. Um, oh, it's good seeing Bill Sadler as well. It's always good seeing Bill. You know, he seems to enjoy it. He was good at it. Yeah. I just thought he did some really big swings in the third act. I mean, they, like, they go to hell, essentially. <laughs> Stuff that was kind of mental. Um, I felt a bit kind of weird about... They had this the, the kind of rapper kid. Who, I, don't know, I don't know who that is. I had no idea who he was. You like the robot thing they had in it? I liked the robot was all right. The makeup was weird. But who who was the the, the kind of the rapper? I no know. idea. I know. And I'm like, that's, should I know? I, I don't, yeah, yeah. How old am I? I don't know who any characters are now yet. Totally. Hmm. Like, I recognise Mozart or but I don't know who this like, apparently really famous rapper is. And yeah. what, is that bad of me? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but... I'm, again, I'm glad I've seen it. Um, you know, I've completed the trilogy, and yeah, there there is a fondness there. I mean, always it's always nice to see the characters, but I think they could have done better. Maybe. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one I've seen called that you've seen already. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Was Talk to Me. Yeah. It's now finally it, it done well. The cinema, apparently, like worldwide. Mm. I don't think it lasted very long in the British cinemas. But I think it was a bit kind of overshadowed by Barbieheimer. I think it sort of like was basically yeah. blown out of water by that. So it landed on like rental quite recently, so I, I, I sat and watched that. For two acts, I really dug it. Like I really enjoyed the first two acts of it. Yeah. And then it just, I thought, it just lost me in the third. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, like, the premise was really well done, because it was like, kind of almost like flatliners a little bit, kind of, <laughs> a week in a sense of that, with like a monkey paw, obviously. And mm. then the kind of nice turn in it, with that scene with the young boy, when he um, shakes hands with it, and it all starts to go askew from then. It was generally one of the most horrific things I've seen on, in a horror for a long time. It was yeah. properly nasty, like properly yeah. horrible. Yeah. And then the finale, the, the final act, when it all kind of tries to tie together, just I felt it felt a little bit flat towards the end. But I liked the premise, I liked the idea of it, and, I, and it, was, it was well done. Do you know the guy who wrote, who writes for Bluey, the dog show, was that it? sort of brought up with the premise of this? Wow, uh, that that's a fucking dark twist, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I feel I, I thought I was gonna when I seen it, I thought I was going to see a horror movie, but it's I don't think it's particularly scary. I think what you touched on it, the, the bit with the boy, I think it's more like shocking, ho- horrific. Yeah, but but not not kind of jump scare. It's shocking. Yeah, it's like that's fucking brutal. You know, like that that's the shock element of it. Um, whereas I took my daughter. With me to see it, that's like I said at the time. She it terrified her. Yeah. And and you know I'm like I don't I don't get it. Um, but I guess we are horror fucking. Listening to the directors, they were talking about um like when they're talking about the tone of it, they were like sort of talking about the Babadook and Hereditary and things like that. So it's obviously yeah. not going for that out and out horror. It's it's all about tone and the vibe yeah. and sort of the sense of doom that, that surrounds it so they definitely got that through and i think it's a if, if sure. to like like say cobweb last week yeah it's definitely a better version of that than say cobweb was i would say yeah 
really interested to see what these guys are going to do next because the, the you know the 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 fight the art is there. So I mean, they're good at the craft, so it'd be good to see where they go with bigger budgets. Doing Street Fighter next. I'm down with that. I'm, I'm, I enjoyed the last one. I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, I, give it a, I give it a very solid six and a half out of ten. I think I was about the same six yeah. and seven as well. Um, not not a bad watch at all. But yeah, more shocking than horror. Um, definitely. Agreed. Yeah, it, it's, it, it lives on those like that's that, that shock moments rather than the yeah. scares. Yeah. Um, on Matt, let's talk about some TV now. We'll talk about the main one because we'll talk about that in a little minute. Um, oh. So. Only Murders in the Building, episode five? Six. Maybe. Six. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, a slower-paced episode this week, I thought. I'm going to say it. See, the last two, I've just not vibed with at all. No. I'm, but, I'm fine. They're, they're treading water a little bit. I just don't feel the story moving along quick enough, and, I feel, and I'm always annoyed they've got them separate too much, so that's annoying me a little bit as well. This week in particular, they had them very kind of split apart. Did it, is it not... Historically, they're not always do this, but there's always that dip in the middle, and then it lifts. So the the, the kind of last three or four, it just kind of possibly, you know, possibly. I mean, remember the last three or four that brings us, that bring it home. We feel great about it. Whereas, yeah, I just yeah. I found the last two a lot of a struggle to get through. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'm I totally agree with you on that, and it is down to they've split them up too much. Um, yeah. Let's see this one. There was two or three scenes with them all together, and even when it's only two of them, let Steve. And, and Martin, do you know what I mean? It's mm. it's missing that that dynamic of of having Selena in there as well. So yeah, yeah. definitely a weird one. It's been uh, no means bad, and it, there's some nice stuff in it. But just yeah, I, I need I need to bring I need to come home strong. Yeah, I've not I've really not vibed the last few episodes of it. Yeah, um, Lorraine was telling me that she was reading an article online. Um, somebody had posted something about Martin Short, and I don't see. Not the been funny. Yes, it's been written uh, by uh, every single person. <laughs> quite fucking rightly so as well. Yeah. Why? Why would you even say that? It's it's insane. There's, there's so many unfunny people who are in, a, in in you know in strong positions who are not funny. Yeah. And you go after Martin Short. It's like, come on, please. Yes. Uh, it's, it's like. The, the two said till the the two people you don't fucking mess with is Martin Short and Rick Moranis. It's just you don't. Simply, I will fucking kill you for that shit. I will yeah, hunt like, down and I will kill you for that shit. Don't do it. And if you want to have an argument, but you've got to try at least have an argument. It, it felt like it felt like one of those hip jobs where it's like they're doing it purely because it's something against the, the what people, everyone believes. You know, it's yeah. the person who writes yeah. it. You know. You know Godfather 3 is the best of the Godfathers. They're not doing it because they believe you, because it's, it's so against the contrary belief. They know they'll get the reaction. They're just looking for that reaction. Um, de- de- um But yeah, what a ridiculous thing to do. What to fucking leave Martin Short alone. Don't do not do that. Ever. Yeah. Have you read, ever read his book, Martin Short, by the way, of interest? I've not, no. no. Very good. It's called um, uh, Martin Short. It's, it's called, I must say, my life as a humble comedy legend. Oh, that's... <laughs> Even that description sounds like Martin Short. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, he's, have you he's... seen the video of them on? I think it's on a recent SNL, or maybe not recent, but a few years ago SNL, and it's the two of them roasting each other, what they say each other's eulogy. <laughs> I mean, Steve Martin, <laughs> just, just just destroying each other. It's, just, it's very very funny. It's very and, good. And 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 the, the nicest possible way, of course. Yes, they, yeah. they they seem to know exactly how to push those buttons in the funniest way. And they all seem to they both seem to take it. Martin Short and Steve Martin between them. Always seem to take it in the, the very much the right vein of love that it's given, and it's only someone you can be very friends with 
you can say something that mean about and it's known as it's not being mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's delivered with love as well. There's a affection yes. there. Oh, yeah, yeah so. don't don't go after Martin Short. If, if you're out there, whoever you are, don't don't fucking do that. Don't don't do hit your Martin Short. Yeah. Um, I've got one I'm halfway through right now, and that is one called um, The Chosen, which is the um, adaptation of Mark Millar's um, American Jesus mm. um, series. So I've only read the first like sort of volume of that, and, and I think it was like six issues. Um, they've changed it quite a bit because it's set in Mexico and it's all like Mexican kids. The, the kid who's the Jesus character in it is American, but he's been like sort of taken across the border and he's, been, and he's raised in, a, in Mexico. So it's it's all subtitled, which is quite an interesting. I don't know if it's maybe one of those things where American Netflix didn't want it, but Mexican Netflix did. Well, we'll Somehow, we'll yeah. That, yeah. So it, from what I remember, it's, it's very different from the, the, the books that we read. I think you read the first one as well, correct? Yeah. I've not, no, I know, not, I know of the story, of it. not delved into it yet. Um, so the I'm story says of the boy who, he, he should die, he, he wakes up and he's got the power of the Christ, essentially, so he starts to exhibit all the things that Christ, you know, he can turn water into wine, walk on water, all that kind of stuff, perform miracles as well, and it's just sort of like, how would that, how would that change America, or, or the world, if a Christ figure turns up now? Just came back, yeah. Yeah, so cause the, 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 one of the fundamental things about you know, Christian uh, Christian and Catholic belief is specifically that Jesus will return. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's it's a it's a, it's a fundamental part of the, the, the dogma, that he will come back. So how would you know? Everyone would just assume it's like a hoax, so you would never believe it, where, you know, that kind of thing. So. Or some crazy, do you know what I mean? You're not Jesus, you're just back right. in the asylum, are you? Yeah. It's like that story where... Um, the guy turned up at, I think it was John or Paul McCartney's door one day, like mm. they, were, they were recording an album with the Beatles, and he went, I'm Jesus Christ, I want to sit in the recording studio with it, with you. And McCartney took him to the studio, and at the end of the day, why are you doing it? Well, he might not be Jesus, but if he is, what a goddamn story this is. It was Jesus in the recording studio for the album. Yeah, to- I totally did. Fucking hell. <laughs> Which is no. what LSD will do for you. Um, <laughs> first three episodes of The Chosen, enjoyed them, not loving them. It's it, it the first one was very it, it, I didn't it, it's going for like a weird kind of Stranger Things vibe, but like knowing what the story kind of is, it felt out of place a little bit. So it seems to be trying to layer in a bigger story out with what the comic books were, right? Maybe going for like a multiple season kind of arc on it. Um, because I feel there's a whole story of like him being taken away from the father, like almost like it was an abusive relationship and she's ran away with the kid. And there's a whole story there, which I don't remember from the, the book. Maybe I might be wrong, but I don't remember that in the comic. So I'm intrigued to know what they're going to do with it. But it's decently paced. I'll, I'll go on to something else later on that I, don't, I think was at times badly paced, where every episode in this is about 40 minutes to 45 minutes long. Okay. So it does move along at that okay pace. So it's, it's worth it. It's only six episodes as well. So I've done three. So it's three out of six. I'm halfway it's- through and it's okay. Is there any names in it at all? Not that I recognise, no. So is it is the whole thing um, in Spanish? All of it? Well, when he talks to his mum, it's in English. Right, okay. okay. Other cool. than that, it's pretty much all in Spanish. Or Mexican. I'm wondering if going in with no comic book knowledge might be a kind of different spin on possibly, it. Possibly, yeah. yeah absolutely, yeah. It, it, it makes sense to an extent, you know, the idea of like, you know, Mexico's a very religious country as well, um, but then so is America. So anyway, it, it's, it's sold enough. It's been not released with much fanfare from what I've seen. You know, yeah. remember Mark Miller signed this big massive deal with Netflix. We've not really seen that much coming from it. Really, well, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so I've been trying to see if they do much more, but um, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's killing about time, but it's, it's, it's not too, it's not too bad. I haven't enjoyed it mostly. It's it's on my to watch, so I will yes. get it eventually, and I will I will let you know. Um, on the back of that one that I finished watching, um, is Apple Plus. I love saying that. It's sort of gone now. I'm part of the exclusive club. Me and you. Mm-hmm. Um, shrinking. Uh, me and me and Lorraine finished watching Shrinking, so there was um. 10 episodes and we yep. have wrapped them up and it's quite a delightful little show it, it's one of those it's a safe space mm. you know it, it's like the, the the kind of jokes are thick and fast there's nothing particularly offensive in it do you know what I mean it, it's, it's not trying to alienate anyone do you know what I mean but it's just kind of warm nice and when it's funny it's funny um in particular Mr Ford is beautiful in this part he's he's playing I think he's playing a type. He's playing a grumpy old man. Like um, he's almost in a heightened version of what he's now. Harrison Ford. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, and, and he knows that, and and it just it, it just brings so much to the role. Um, Jason Segel can do this shit standing on his head. You know, yeah. this this is his bread and butter. Um, but just a really, really, really good watch. Um, just thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, left me on a big fucking cliffhanger. So there's going to be a second season, which I'm really looking forward to. But so I would highly recommend Eyeballs on Drinking. Very good watch. We shall, we shall. It's my normal grade after watching well. I want to watch that and that and the after party season two are now on Apple Plus. So I want to watch both of them. So we'll, that'll be one of the things we we'll watch the next next week. Uh, so we'll get to that. You, you will laugh. It's a nice one to, to close you up on the couch with a good lady with. It's one of those ones, you know, it's just like kind of let's sit, settle down and get comfy cozy and get the dinner and watch it while you're eating. It's nice. Very cool. good. I like, have got the main TV show we watched this week um, that you insisted on watching, and you and I watched in the space of quite a couple, a couple of days, which maybe is as, the, as did I, yeah, yeah. And there's a show called One Piece, which is based on an anime comic, which is based on a, which is already had a like an animated show in a, in Japan, yeah. um, done, which is ran for I don't know over a thousand episodes. It's like insane, <laughs> insanely popular. Um, in, I in think it's maybe the, the the kind of biggest selling manga. Um, media ever possibly cool. well, I've, yeah. not, I've not heard of it so this is a live action yeah. adaptation it's, it's I would say westernised to a great degree um, yeah so the story is it's set in a world where there's pirates um, there's a, a big big bad pirate who basically on his when he's about to get killed you know um, in front of everyone he declares that his treasure is out there somewhere he called it the one piece mm. um, thus basically starting off the age of piracy when everyone becomes a pirate to try and find this Treasure. Huge gold trove. Um, we follow our hero, who is character name, Colin? Monkey D. Luffy. Monkey D. Luffy, um, yeah. who is sort of <laughs> a, almost a, a good-natured pirate, a gentleman pirate. Yeah, um, he's a fun pirate, isn't he? Fun yeah. pirate. Yeah. Is he basically, the, the series is basically him recruiting a crew um, and going out on that adventure, essentially. Yeah, yeah. 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 This, this is, it's very, very much a getting-the-gang-together series. Yeah. Um, yeah. and obviously they're basing that on hoping to get you know more but they've just been announced they've got a second season already I um, think um, I'd, I'd, I've been told from sources that know a lot more about manga than I do that um, the plan is to do 12 seasons apparently yeah I don't uh, Netflix might not go with that but they've got a second season let's mm-hmm. go with that yep. um, you were very big on this you texted me saying you're really much enjoying it yeah I'll, Say for the most part, I enjoyed it as well. Mm-hmm. I would say that some of the acting was a little bit question dodgy at times. 
it, there's a few characters that, that are very not amdram, but you know they're, they're definitely not top echelon. Um, yes, def- and I would say that every episode has suffered a little bit from the Return of the King syndrome, where if you knock 15 minutes off each episode, I think it'd be perfect. Yeah. Two men went for that extra 15 minutes and felt very unnecessary. I'm wondering if. Because that th- this is you know big big manga business, and I'm wondering if there's a lot of fan service in there that, that we would be we're missing possibly yes, because there is stuff near that I, I don't get the relevance, but you know because I'm, I'm guessing because every pretty much every mission he goes on is it's basically every mission is like a two mission arc essentially. Yeah, yeah. and he's always basically had another member of his crew by the end of it essentially. So, so yeah. Maybe one of the things, if we knew the, the characters, we would know when he turns up, oh, he's going to find character X here. When yeah. it, we don't know that, so yeah. it's going to be more accessible to us in that way. Yeah, I think, yeah, because we, we've both, and, and we know manga mm. background, and, you know, fucking, like I say, this has been going for a long time, and people that, that know about it are fanatical about it. Yes, yeah, just like Absolutely cold, which I think maybe helps as well. Um, I because think so, it, honestly, I think even cold maybe sort of had no prior expectations and were just able to, to let it sort of gestate and see what they wanted yeah, to do. Yeah. Um, I, right, so the positives for this, um, I thought the, the world they created felt fully developed, I think. I think it I'm looks great. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. World building's well done. Production value gives it as well. It feels like a world that's been lived in. It's, 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 it feels... Very different from our own. It's, it, you recognise it's a piracy world, so you recognise almost like yeah. hundreds. But then they've got certain odd technologies that, yeah. that that sort of make it feel a bit more kind of like punk, kind of like steampunk. Steampunk, yeah. Then there's elements of mysticism in there, like the kind of foots that give you superpowers and shit like that as well. That's yeah. when it kind of lost me a little bit. See, when that came into it, I was a bit kind of like nah. Japanese manga, dude. But it's, it's all over the place. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Crazy. Yeah, in the yeah. yeah. Um, the, the the main boy, the boy that plays Monkey, I think has got bags of charm. Um, I, I really, really, I, he just grabbed me instantly, just that smile and possibly that, not that the best him. actor, but he has got a lot of charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he definitely needs more chops, but he's just he's got a say just that smile. Do you know what I mean? You're just like, you're rooting for him instantly. You're like, he's a good guy. I want him to win, and you're just behind him the full time. Yes, um, I did enjoy that they gave. Each character a proper kind of story arc. There's a, yeah, everyone's got an arc, and that's and yeah. they allow that arc to develop. And they give yeah. them time to breathe and grow and develop his character so that you're growing the journey with them. So I think yeah. that was really well done each episode as well. Mm. Um, but I just I, I found myself finishing one, and I, I want to watch more. I want mm. to watch more, and it just kind of pulled me along, pulled me along. And when I got to the end, I was like, fuck, ah. What we're going to watch? Yeah, no, it's it's, it's definitely shows pulls you along with it. Like I said, I I do kind of wish that every episode was about 10, 15 minutes shorter. Because mm. it, it was times it felt like it was just a bit sluggish, and when you get to and you go like, my god, that was an hour and five minutes. It did not need that. You know, it could have easily been you know a four. If every episode was like say forty five minutes long, yeah, I think you got, I think it'd be a much more concise story all the way through, and. I think maybe a wee bit, I mean, it's got a lot of energy already, but maybe you just have that extra bit of energy to sort of to, to drag you through, you know. Yeah. Um, 
So I think maybe that's the one feeling I think, a major feeling I think I had. But other than that, I've, I've generally thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. For a man who has no interest in manga whatsoever, yep. um, it didn't feel particularly manga. Apart yeah. from like, the elements felt manga, but it didn't look manga. There's a couple, yeah. couple of things, but not major. So, no, I, I dug it. I'm surprised at how much, uh, how much I did actually like. I give it a 7 out of 10 overall. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10 overall. Mm-hmm. I really um, Craig Fairbrass was quite interested in it. Um, he was... is, he the, is he the Admiral? No, he's the, the peg leg cook. Oh, was that who that was? Right, okay. Yeah, he seemed to be having a whaley of time. Um, Everyone who's like, I've, I've, all the adult actors in it seem to have a lot of fun. They seem to know what they're doing. And they like, they mm. can be silly and fun. And I get to play essentially pantomime characters. And it's yeah. a lot of fun being yeah. that broad. You know, even the guy who plays like the, the guy with a big massive sword. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, you know, they can almost like, yeah, you know, yeah. have a twirly moustache. And, yeah. Yeah. The guy playing the clown as well, he seems to have a lot of fun playing that character as well. So yeah. everybody's got like because it's the, the, there's no there's no subtlety to the the, the, the pirates in it. They're all very it's much based. so over. The, everything's a caricature of yes. what you think it should be. And um, the the one thing I want to discuss this with you a wee bit. Uh, this always kind of gets me. Is so you, you mentioned the, the admiral um, who's played by a Scotsman. Mm. Is it because we are Scottish? Whenever you see someone acting with a Scottish accent, apart from Sean Connery, it always feels like they're a bad actor. Is it because we're Scottish and... It's, it's like you hear someone on the TV, it's like you're watching the news and someone with a Scottish accent talks in the news. Yeah. And kind of, oh, I, oh, I, I, I get that with Scottish actors a lot. I'm like, oh, fuck. Um, see, the exception is Sean Connery. I don't know why, but everything, it's like this kind of... It, it just comes across as really stiff, bad acting, but I'm sure it's yeah. not. Um, you know, if you're non-Scottish, you're probably... Just I, get, I compare it to like when I'm watching foreign films and it's like subtitled, I have a difficulty sometimes if the actor's good or bad because I don't understand the language. I don't know how they're all doing is following the subtitles. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if the actor's giving a good performance or not, <laughs> to be honest. So maybe it's that kind of thing. I just want to address it because it's something that always, every time I see a Scottish person on a movie or, or the news or TV, I'm like, oh, and I'm like, all right. Why? Do you, I mean, it's just fucking one of those strange, strange things that always gets me. But um, yeah, I'm really excited for season two. Um, I'm, I'm all in. That's me. I've, I've put my, my eggs in this basket, and I'm, I'm going. I'm going on the ride with them. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I will be on that ride as well. Um, on from that cause, let's talk about some movies that are out. Um, okay. That we've seen. So I will start with. I am going to put it out there. Probably it will be the film of the week, and it will probably be in the top ten films of for me this year. Ooh. Um, and that's a film called Past Lives, um, directed by Celine Song. It's her debut feature, which makes it even more amazing. Um, and the plot of this film, it's, it's very hard to describe, but the plot of the film essentially is it opens with you're looking across a bar at three people who are talking. There's a woman and two men. One, so the woman and one of the men is of Korean descent, and the other man is of Western American descent. And you're in the head of these two people who are watching them discussing, like, sort of, What's the relationship to each other? You know, and that's how we joke. Maybe it's like, you know, maybe one's the lover, one's the husband, one's the, um, you know, the best friend, one's the translator, and the sort of this kind of thing. And then the the woman turns, basically breaks the fourth wall almost, and just looks straight through the camera, and has a wee smirk on her face, and then it flashes back to twenty four years before, and you start to see the story unfold of who these three people are and what the relationship to each other is. Interesting. And okay. it unfolds in this like really beautiful you know the Richard Linklater films, like um mm-hmm. Before After Sunrise. Mm-hmm. It unfolds like that. It just sort of you start to see like this 
just this looking at these people's lives as you see them as young and like in college and then you see like the various stages of their life and how their lives interconnect and what the main purpose of the relationship is and how importantly how they get to this bar and why the three of them are sitting there and then it finalizes like with a scene just after the bar that might be possibly one of the most heartbreaking scenes you've ever seen in cinema it's just a, a beautiful piece of filmmaking that is generally just, just heartbreaking to watch well, um, so anyway so that's that's the basic premise of the film um, <laughs> did, did you cry mr laird oh fuck, very very much so very in the film yeah. it was very blubbery um <laughs> in the film you've got greta lee plays the main uh, woman in it teo yo plays the korean sort of one half of this love it's not a love triangle but it's a love square or love circle in some way and you've got john uh, magaro he plays like sort of the western person in the film uh, and, uh, like i said i've always touched on it this is it's such a beautiful movie it's every single scene is just so perfectly shot that it feels you're watching just you're watching elevated life it's, it's definitely not real life but it is real life but it feels like it's above real life in some way it's like almost like i said before sunrise is sort of the best thing i can think of compared yeah. to with a sort of almost Woody Allen-esque-ness to it, but not in a funny way, just sort of the way he can photograph like the world and it sort of feels it's a heightened world that you're looking yeah. at. You're not looking at real life, but everything about it feels real. So it's not parasite, it's, yeah. it's something more than that. It has this, it's just this view of what is, what was, and what possibly could have been. Yeah. And it, I think we all have those moments in life of like the, the, the road not travelled. Yeah, definitely. And it sort of explores that. Um, the three performances, like I would say, Greta Lee and Teo Yo are the ones who get the most screen time. The wet, the the third party is in it, and in it, I mean, he's in it, he's excellent. But it's the two of them are the sort of the main thrust of the story. Just wonderful, especially Greta Lee is fantastic in the lead role. Uh, Teo Yo is hit the, the sadness that that character has, you know, just throughout it, just knowing what's happened throughout. It. It's just, it's just, oh, it's just, it's such an amazing performance by him. Wonderful director. It's, it's so dreamlike when you're watching. Like I said, I, I keep comparing it to Linklater's Sunrise trilogy, and that's the best I can think of. But you're watching all three of those movies in the one movie. So you're seeing it over the course. It's only like, I think it's only about 100 minutes long. It's not a long film by any stretch, but you're seeing all three of those films, all three stages of, of those movies in one movie all wrapped up. Wow. Um, and it's just, it's just a beautiful, heartbreaking ending by someone who is a such a skilled screenwriter and they knew exactly what they're doing they put everything in place throughout the film so when it pays off at the end it's just it pays off perfectly and it's just for me just a welcome tonic when i'm watching a film like this in the cinema that's it's not a sequel it's not some massive ip it's not you know some just bleak action you know bland action film it felt like what cinema should be which is just it's a beautiful story well told and cinema has to be about this as much as about watching superman punch batman it yeah. has to be also be about this as well. Can yeah. it cure art? And this is, the fact it's a first film is just even more phenomenal. So I I adored it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It's one that's, that's very much on, on my radar. Um, I've read a couple of reviews about it and it, it, they've been stunning reviews. Um, and it does seem to be getting not bad amount of screen time as well. Um, yes. It's getting pushed as well, which is good. Mm. So I will endeavour to watch it on this review, so I will endeavour to go and see it over the weekend or next week it will yeah. be my my go-to yeah yeah it's a stunning yeah. film like i said i would give it um, nine possibly ten out of ten i'm, I'm 
further nine and a half out of ten. It's it's nothing short of perfect. It's brilliant. Is it? I can tell it's in your head. I can. I oh, just, definitely. It's one of I've watched I, it and I've been thinking about it every that. day. You're talking about it. You can see the wheels turning. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the and then putting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can see you're still there. Um, I will go and see this one, sir. You haven't. You've yes. convinced me thoroughly to go and see it. Excellent. You go and see that one. Um, next one I'll talk about called very quickly is one called Theatre Camp. What the fuck is Theatre Camp? Theatre Camp. It's in the cinemas. Um, and it's directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman. It's also their debut feature. Um, if you know Molly Gordon, she is the love interest in the second season of The Bear. Oh, all right. Okay. Cool. Claire. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, is it Claire? Is it Claire? I think it is Claire, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's Claire, not the sister. Or Sugar, the sister. Sugar's the sister. Sister, yeah. but her name's not Claire, is it? I don't think so, no. No, I think it's Claire. I think, it's Claire. I think, we'll, I think we'll go with Her name is Claire in the show. It is now. It is now. <laughs> um, so this is a, it's basically a mockumentary set in a theatre camp. So this is like a place where kids all go during the summer and they learn the skills of the theatre. You know, it's basically one of these like summer camps you get in America. Okay. Um, the this one is the um, the person who runs this, the, um, the, the camp normally has a heart attack or a stroke and is out of commission. She's in a coma. So the camp has now been run by her complete idiot of a son, who is like just a proper frat boy, and also like these are teachers who basically don't really care. They're sort of very artistic, but of no real world or the real world. And also you've got um, Sydney from the Bear. She is a teacher in it as well, but she plays one who's basically lied on her resume and knows nothing about theatre camp and is purely winging it all the way through. On is, it, is this a kids' movie? No. Okay. Um, and also all, all the kids who are in it, all very dramatic children, let's put it that way. You know, they all want to be the next Rachel Ziegler or, you know, Zac yeah. Efron. They're all very much very flamboyant children. Um, so that's basically the nature of the story. And you get Molly Gordon is in it as well. She's directing it and she's in as one of the, the main teachers. So it's Ben Platt, uh, Noah Gavin, Jimmy Tates, Io Erby, Amy Sedaris and Caroline Aaron. So that's the sort of main cast. It is a very sweet natured mockumentary that wears its heart very much in its sleeve you can tell the people who made it Gordon and Lieberman they love theatre camp they always must have went when they were kids and they, they sort of only good memories about it they're they're very strongly not trying to make it sound like it's silly or make fun of anyone in it you know they're, they're very careful to make it feel like everyone that you know that this is a great thing which in many ways it is you know it's like yeah. kids find their own tribe and stuff like that so they're very it's not taking a piss, say, for example, like Spinal Tap or Mascots or any of those kind of ones. It's not trying to, like, you know, it's not Christopher Guest, who seems, has almost wanted to, like, point out the ludicrousy of everything in it and how, like, and just make fun of it. This mm. is not trying to do that. Um, performance is all very committed and strong. Gordon and Platt have a very nice, um, like, sort of, like, dynamic together. They're sort of the main protagonists and they kind of hold it well. It just doesn't, because they're trying to be so sweet, and so good-natured and not want to make anyone be like a dick or make fun of anyone, yeah. it doesn't really have the story to back up the mockumentary aspect of it. Like, you know, because Spinal Tap has got the story. That's like yeah. that's the that, that's the king of all mockumentaries. That's the... Yeah, yeah. But it's got a story there that actually does is, support is it. Is it or is it Popstar? Popstar's very close to it now, actually. Very much so. Oh, mate, yeah, proof for thought, mister. You fucking yeah. shoot that overnight. It's very good. But you know, what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying here? You know, when it's like they need yeah. to have a, the story is there to support the mockumentary nature of it. And yeah. you can be as ridiculous as you want in it with long story there. There's nothing in this in this that's particularly ridiculous 
that makes it stand out. It, but it is all very heartwarming, and I yeah. think that's. I kind of think I don't think they're trying to be. Not that I think this is what they're going for heartwarming with some chuckles, not for ridiculous and laugh out loud. You know. It, I'm confused about. What, what genre is it? Is it, is it a comedy or...? I definitely is a comedy, yeah. It's trying to be yeah. a comedy. It's, right, okay. It's, sure. it's not... It's, it, it's not a, I'm trying to think of an example that would sort of go alongside it. Yeah. Like, but it's, it's definitely trying to be funny, but it's really holding back on that to make sure it's sweet and making sure it, it's everyone's treated well. Ted, Whereas, Ted Lasso, maybe? Kind of almost in that vein, a little bit, yeah, where everyone's like sort of a good natured person. Yeah. Even the baddie's not a bad person. Yeah. You know, it's not like, for example, like you say, pop star, when there's definite just idiots in that you want that you don't yeah. like in it. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> interesting, I was watching, not pop star, I was watching um, Palm Springs today. I, I sat and watched that oh. randomly. Still holds up. Holds up immensely well, um, immensely well, <laughs> the film, yeah. It's it, right. absolutely excellent. Um, yeah, Theatre <laughs> Camp. It's, it's an absolutely fine, and it's a kind of you chuckle along with it, and it rolls along like a, it's only about ninety minutes long as well, so you don't feel like it's sitting too long with you. It's just I feel there was it could have been funnier. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I was kind of hoping for like have you ever seen Drop Dead Gorgeous? No. no. It's like Custy Alley, and it's like a beauty pageant, and it's got um, young. Who is that young? Oh shit, uh, Mary Jane. Oh, Kristen Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, young Kirsten Dunst in it as well, and it's like it's, it's the madness of a beauty pageant and how people want to like you know kill to get ahead in that. So I was expecting more of that, or even more of a bit like almost Glee-esque, but where there is a lot of backstabbing and a bit soap opera. It, it wasn't like that. So, I, but it is it is funny. It did make me laugh, particularly the um, Sydney from the 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 bear. Yeah. You know, if you try to like sort of figure out like what this job is when she's like lied. And a resume to get the um the, the what, job of the teacher. Mate, the doing, that sounds like my job every day. What the yeah, fuck? <laughs> you somehow fell into this. Yeah, <laughs> you know what you're doing. What um, doing. So I give it a very. It's a solid six out of ten. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad six. It's like it's a good six out of ten. Forgettable. Is it, it sounds forgettable. It sounds like one of those ones you watch it. Yeah, it was alright. And then if I said to you next week to read, you'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that, but I'd forgotten about it. Maybe it felt in a way it wasn't on Netflix, but it felt quite Netflixy. You know, Netflixy. You know, it'll come out on the Monday, and then by the Friday, it's already slipped in the rankings, and you, you discover it two years later, and you go, ah, oh, it's fine, but it never really makes that much impression. Yeah. yeah. But I, for what was when I was watching, I enjoyed it. Okay, cool. The the name with a name like. Like fucking fear, it could be anything. It could be a horror film, a fucking porn movie. It could be that that name yes. is misleading. That you Very don't much know so. what you're going to get. Um, I hadn't heard it until you said fear camp. I was like, what yeah. is that? So, yeah. Think from what I've seen, critics seem to enjoy it a lot more than I did. From what I've seen, um, that's what it was. Um, tell us about the Equalizer Three, Colin. Now, the Equalizer Three uh, sequel to the Equalizer One and Two. Two, uh, yeah, directed by. Um, the guy that directed Equalizer 1 and 2. Um, I don't know his name. You know his name? You do this part, not me. You, you, this is your thing that the whole... You need IMDB while I'm talking. Um, you need to by Antoine Foucault. Who directed Equalizer 1 and 2? And right? Training Day. And Training Day as well. Okay. And that one you watched recently with um, Jake Gyllenhaal when he's taking the 911 call. Oh, was that him as well? All right, yeah. okay. Cool. Um, so it does this, tense very well. It, it does. <laughs> it, it, it does do tense very well. 
Um, so this is the third instalment of The Equalizer, which is a reboot of the 80s TV show The Equalizer. Um, but rather than Robert Woodward, we have Denzel Washington playing who the was part. The original, who was the original Equalizer, sorry? Uh, Edward Woodward was the original. Oh, was it from like um, Hot Fuzz and stuff, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Wonder Man and a, stuff, yeah? Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He, he was very good in it as well. Um, was he American? No, he played British. He was, he was British. He was a British gentleman. Um, in America or in Britain? Uh, in America. In America. Uh, All right. Yeah, yeah. So the premise is um, Denzel Washington is a, a ghost, an ex-CIA agent who randomly helps people that are being terrorised or, or you know held to you know ransom and stuff like that. He comes along, kills bad guys, and sets the people free. Um, the first Equalizer movie, I, I really enjoyed a lot. I did not expect it to be so good because it's Denzel taking names, kicking ass, but Denzel, being Denzel, does it cooler than anywhere else on the fucking planet can do it. Um, the second Equalizer was a bit more... Went bigger. Fantasy, yeah, went bigger. Um, you know, him against the other operatives and stuff like that, you know, almost a, an army element. Um, more violence, um, more guns and stuff like that. This one has done the opposite, and, and it's kind of went really slow. Um, it's a very There's a lot of time spent watching Denzel Washington drinking coffee in an Italian cafe. You see, um, I like that, but the first one, the first one of that, when it's just watching him figure stuff out, which I think what well, people have told me, the TV show is a bit like that as well. It was not sort of similar to that yeah. as well, where it's like the action, a bit like Kung Fu, where the action's in the final minutes. It's yeah. like, it's, most of the films, most of the show is him figuring things out. So when it comes to the, the big hit or the big moment, it's like he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, he knows precisely what the moment is. This is very much like this, but you don't know what he's figuring out or how he's figured it out. Right, just, okay, okay. There's no bones there. Um, um, he's got Dakota Fanning turns up as um, a, a kind of operative agent or something. who he feeds information to, but you never kind of know where he's, you know, he just knows stuff because he's Denzel, I guess, and he's equalizer. Right. Um, but it it kind of bubbles along really slowly and it's it's kind of peppered with moments of extreme violence. Um, you know, maybe it'll be like, you know, uh, 20 minutes of nothing happening, and then, you know, a crazy outburst of violence for 30 seconds, then back to nothing happening, then the same again, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, um, ending in shocking violence. And it's just, it, it's a kind of weird kind of pace from the other two. You'd think they would try and go big, but they, they, they thought, no, let, let's, you know, let's really kind of simmer down. Um, a lot of it is just watching Denzel. He's not doing it. He's not figuring anything out. He, he's, he's just sitting, drinking coffee. Right. But because it's Denzel, the bastard that he is, it, he is ultimately fucking watchable, doing nothing. Um, that That's Denzel for you. Um, he, he, he still is perhaps the coolest man on the planet. Um, I, I think it's not in doubt he is the coolest man on the planet. He, like. he, he's Denzel. Um, you can see that he's starting to age now, Denzel, and he's having to slow down a wee bit. I don't know, maybe the, kind of, the, the movie's paced around that, possibly. Yeah. Um, at least he's done that and he didn't try and like pretend like he's still sprightly like they do with some yeah. and you go I don't think Big Liam can move like that anymore you know that no, kind of thing de- definitely not but then when he does do violence Denzel's really good at violence he's got a raw intensity to him and he's, he's such a big man as well Denzel's like 6'3 yeah. like or 6'4 or something yeah, like that so. you forget that he's, he is he's a big fucking hulking bear of a man so you know yeah. when he's looming over someone with a big knife you're like oh fuck you know, just... so you've got like his voice is 
he's a voice that is can be quite soft at times, but also it's got an aggr- it's got a, a it's got like a an intensity to it, and it's got like oh yeah, you know, I think it actually make a great Bane, Denzel, because yeah, the voice is, the voice has intelligence, but also real brutality behind it when he uses it properly. It's, yeah, man, in training days, I mean, some of that shit he spouts is just menacing, you know. Yeah. It's Samuel L. Jackson, but darker again, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, there's less of a yeah. a wink and a nod. That Samuel Jackson does yeah. now and again, whereas like Daniel just it just is sort of. Do you think that he's he's he can play the everyman so well, but he's played these really dark characters at times where it is like oh my God, he has like he got a real nastiness to him. Yeah, yeah, which makes him he's just interesting. So the film itself, I I don't think I like the film, but mm. I'm Denzel in it, so I was like, just you're just watching Denzel, just yeah, and Oro, you're thinking. This is shit, but it's Denzel, but Denzel, do, yeah. doing shit really, really, really fucking good. You know, taking something and, and just fucking taking it to a higher level. Um, I think everyone, yeah, if if you do a trilogy or, or a sequel, you know, you've you're always going to compare to which came before, and I think that's the problem is you've got this comparison of these other two films that were a lot more high octane, whereas this isn't. So you kind of go in expecting something and it doesn't give you that right. uh, and it's confusing because you're always waiting for what you're expecting it doesn't really give you and you're like i don't understand why Aye. but denzel is so engaging that you forgive that because you're watching denzel doing his thing um i would recommend people to go and see it for purely for denzel um if he wasn't in it i would fucking pan this movie Terribly, but I can't. It could use a bit. It could use a film that, been, that has, like, say, like a wrestler in the lead, in the lead role. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a, a, a two-bit wrestler, or even like, like say Scott, Scott Adkins, somebody Scott like that. Adkins, maybe that one I was looking at. As well, mean, yeah. And it would just become like utter B movie trash. But Denzel just, you know, it, it, it elevates it, um, and, and just it makes it a better movie than, than it probably should be. Um, six out of ten. Um, right. Pretty much for Denzel. If it wasn't for Denzel, it'd be like a two-star movie, I think. Right. Possibly, possibly. And it's very nicely shot. Um, do you know what I mean? It's framed nicely. It's shot nicely. Stuff like that. But there's a lot of stuff in it. You like, I don't. That makes no fucking sense. But yeah. because it's Denzel, you don't care because you're like, that's cool. It's Denzel. Denzel doesn't have to make sense because he's Denzel. I made a ridiculous statement recently. We talked to a friend. That I said like Denzel's got no films that are rewatchable. He's, he's a very good actor, but there's no rewatch value to a Denzel film. And I realised within about 10 seconds of saying it, I was a complete idiot because he's got a fucking absolute shit ton of movies that are completely rewatchable. Because um, he's dead, Zell. Because you watch. He hasn't had that big. You know, he's never done. The, he's never had like to say the 500 million dollar movie, has he? That's the thing. No, he's, he's no, he's, he's not. I'm trying to think. He's like kind of Malcolm X probably is the closest to it, possibly. Crimson Tide. Crimson, yeah, Crimson Tide as well. Um, yeah, like, when it has swung big to try and be like the big film, it's been like yeah. say Magnificent Seven. It didn't quite work out. Um, so things like that, you know, he's never really had that like huge, massive, you know, like top level box office hit. I mean, like Inside Man yeah. might be probably one of his most successful, possibly. Yeah, possibly. And um, Flight, Flight was quite. Done. The, the the thing is because it's Denzel, you, I I can never tell if a Denzel movie is good or bad. There's the obvious ones that are amazing, like Training Day. But you, something like Flight, is it a bad movie by a good actor or is it a good movie? 
with a good actor. Do you know what I mean? Did Denzel just takes a movie and makes it something of its own? It's weird. It's a bad movie. Flight, to be honest. With a good actor, Denzel. Yes. Who makes it watchable, but it's a bad. I, yeah, that's that's 100 what I'm thinking. It, it, it's it's weird. It's just a problem. You will be pleased to know that the, the director has said that he would quite happily make a sequel if Denzel's interested, or a prequel if his his siblings, his children, would like to do it. As well. I've heard this rumor of like could like to have um, David in it. David Washington play like sort of younger versions of Denzel characters. It would work, and this it would definitely work. Um, you know, he's, he's got that. But we've seen him doing it in Tenet and stuff like that. He could be the equaliser thirty years ago and smash it out of the fucking park easily. Yeah. Interesting, um, very interesting. But but it's Denzel, so you must watch it because it's Denzel. But it's maybe I'm harsh on it, but not the movie I was expecting. I thought I was going to see. Denzel's films have made four point six billion at the the box office. Which isn't too bad, really. <laughs> um, I'm, probably, I'm looking to see what his biggest hit's been for you. Um, Equalizer 2 is 190 million. Yeah, yeah pe- people like it. Equalizer, sorry, Equalizer 2. Equal, first Equalizer 192. Safe House, 207. I've not even seen Safe House. Sort of like. um, oh, American, no, Gangster, American Gangster 267. So he's... So, he's he he's got a lot of hundred million because he's like he's got stuff like like what you think, like, think you think back in the day like, the bone collector made made hundred and fifty one million right that mm. was not an expensive film to make yeah, yeah. so that's like it, it might not be a, like a ridiculous box office but nine, in nineteen nineties money for the amount that money felt cost to make that's a good that's a good return the siege hundred and sixteen um Philadelphia Philadelphia two hundred and one million. He was in that as well. I get it. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. He's consistently solid, I would say. Like consistently got, like he's got a, a ton of a hundred million dollar movies for films that didn't really seem to cost that much money to make. Yeah, you know. The thing is, is as, as we're talking just now, my brain's racking itself thinking of a bad Denzel film. Or a bad performance, and there's none. He, oh, it's definitely not a bad performance. Um, it's just know, consistent throughout his full career. Just yeah. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, he, he is. He's a superstar. Yeah. 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 Oh, he's, he's like the definition of a superstar. No, he's one of the guys you don't even hear from him apart from when he's acting. He doesn't. You never hear stories of like Denzel being yeah. a dick or Denzel like going mad at like some restaurant. He just does his job, acts, goes away, and then comes back, and does another job, and then goes away, and back to another job. Which I think makes for a better actor because yeah, there's no baggage, you know. You you're there's just a mystique around him. Yeah, yeah there's a mysticness. We don't know who. You know what he does in his spare time, and he could know. he could be the real equalizer. I don't know. He could be. I think yeah. he likes basketball and football. I think that's about it. That's about all I know about Denzel Washington. That, I think that's what we know. Then he's got that's kids. Cool. There you yeah. go. Who act? Yeah. It's anyway. good. I'm almost. <laughs> equalizer three six out of ten from Colin. Six out of ten from Colin. Not a bad movie, just maybe not the movie you want to. That you thought you were going to see. Well, let's put the last one calls it that's out this week. Well, I think it was out last week, actually. Uh, in fact, maybe a couple weeks ago. But I finally caught up on Sky Cinema, and that's a film called Biosphere. Not to be confused with Biodome. Mm. With Polish Shore. Don't, don't yeah. say anything bad don't about Polish Yeah, but Polish Shore, I like Polish Shore. I'm going to say it. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't mind Polish Shore. I like Cal- I'm a big fan of California, man. And I know. Or Encino Man, as they call Encino it. Encino Man, yeah. States, 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 stateside. 
Yeah, so Biosphere, <laughs> directed by Mel Esselin. It's her debut feature as well. She has been involved as producer on many things, including the Tony Hawk documentary that was out last year, I think, which Ooh. I very much enjoyed. I've never um, seen this. I do like Tony Hawk's. It's um, Till the Wheels Come Off. It's Watch it. It's very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Very good, yeah. Um, so the plot of this one is the world has came to sort of an end, essentially, but there's two men living in a, a biodome, essentially, that keep him alive. Um, one of them used to be the President of the United States, and another one was his sort of left-hand man, um, and he designed this biodome to keep them both alive. Um, you get the hint in that the President is to blame for the, <laughs> the end of the world, essentially, um, in the living as well. And the little biodome is starting to break down because things are going wrong with it, um, and also there's a change happening to one of them that is a quite unique and interesting change that you're not expecting. Uh, but... I'm sold already, sir. Yes. Um, so life does find a way. Let's just put it that way. So it is basically a two-hander. It's Mark Duplass and Sterling K. Brown. Um, they are the two actors in it. Uh, Duplass plays the president one, and Sterling K. Brown plays the, the left-hand man one. So this is it's all set in one. It's a one-room type of you know sort of movie. So it's all set in one location. Um, at times very thoughtful um, and funny. Kind of end of the world. Um, uh, movie has an interesting discussion to do with gender and identity um, tacked in throughout it. It sort of it, it raises its sort of head throughout it and just sort of makes you think and makes you ask questions and will probably annoy certain people um, in the world. Um, Duplass and Brown make are a very strong duo and they do and they do very well keep your interest because like a, a two-hander in one room can get very boring very quickly. Definitely, it takes skill to keep your your, your attention. Yeah. And, keep the, and to be able to parcel it information about who these characters are and at a rate that you feel is natural, but also you know it keeps your interest. You, know, you don't want to just do, there's no nothing feels like an exposition dump at any point. Whereas you know the film you can watch when it feels like there's just one kind of yeah. exposition and that's all they, everything they spout yeah. is just yeah. exposition. For example, the little memory I watched recently. Everything Ursula says in that film is just pure exposition. Yeah. You know, so it's like so very none, different films. But that. You, yep. you get the point. Um it's it the premise of it does run out of steam in the final fifteen minutes. Because just the nature of it and the conclusion of it, the resolution of it. It, it doesn't feel resolved. And for me, that was a bit of a lacking part of the film. You know, I, I, they couldn't wrap it up entirely with like sort of a, a, a bow happy ending um, and still make it in like this 90 minute film. You'd probably need a three hour epic to do that. And they don't have the budget or indeed the time to do that. So mm. I get why it's, there is a certain bit of ambiguity towards the end of it, but it wasn't ambiguity enough to make me go, oh, I think this might happen. This might happen. There was just a very little given at the end to make me kind of like formulate what I thought happened. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even like, you know, that's that irritated me a little bit. So lack of resolution was a bit annoying. But I do enjoy what Duplass does. You know, he puts a lot of his money his own money and he's him and his brother himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun these sort of very quirky, odd RA indie products and I'm I'm kinda of all for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's um yeah he's a bit of chameleon, Mark Duplass, isn't he? he just yeah. kind of- you know, he's there doing stuff, and when you see it, you're like, it's really interesting. But he's so, I always think with Mark Duplass, is he's so unassuming, he's just every man. Yeah, he's very much every man. And yeah. films, there's times sometimes films just don't work for me. Mm. Like, but there's a lot of the ones that really really do work, and, and I feel like I've seen something quite special. I think, I'm sure he was 
trying to think of the ones I've liked a lot, but there's, there's definitely a couple that I've really, but really enjoyed. The creep films do it for me in a big way. The creep yes. films, I think, are just, you know, they take low-budget horror to a whole new fucking level. Um, which the woman is the time traveller as well. It's uh, safe not guaranteed. That's amazing as well. Um, he's, he's just dead. He's, got, he's, he's watchable. Did he write or direct this as well? Or is no, there... um, Mel Eslin directed it. He produces it. That's, that's, right. that's his role in this. Um, I'm looking through Biosphere. I'm looking through some of these stuff. He's, he, he, he was producer of that Tony Hawk film as well. Um, done a Sasquatch one with a TV show. Apparently very good. Um, a few... Um, the Ride, uh, Horse Girl apparently is very good as well. Um, Paddleton, he was he was producer of Paddleton. Paddleton was amazing, yeah. So he's Great he's book. got he kind of he, yeah he's definitely got his finger on the, the kind of the artistic pulse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of you know like the the savior of indie almost. A wee bit he does feel he's got that kind of vibe to him, hasn't he? Yeah. That kind of the Bronze was also pretty decent as well. Adult Beginners was also pretty solid. The one I love was, was very good. Skeleton Twins, you really liked that film. I loved that, yeah. Um, Black Rock as well, Safe Not Guaranteed. So, Your Sister's Sister as well. Um, what, was the, t- what was the TV show he was in that you kind of went on about a lot? The, the little kind of... Oh, The League. Yeah, he's, he's in that, isn't he, as well? Very yeah. good in that as well. Yeah, yeah. Baghead yeah. as well. So, he's, he's got a lot... He, he seems to really support and put his money into and put his weight behind some really interesting projects that not all of them, not all of them work out brilliantly but the ones that do are, are very and uh, all seem like very personal stories and you watch something like Paddleton for example it's a story about nothing essentially yeah yeah but in huh? a beautiful beautiful lovely, lovely way sad yeah. way yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely um, so I give Biosphere a six and a half out of ten I'm going to watch it because Mark Duplass is in it and yes. I think he's he's not quite Denzel levels of mesmerising but he's, he's bloody watchable you know, very yeah. watchable indeed very watchable indeed um, so for the, yeah. I'm up watching that as well um, and that, on the, the final film oh, what have you watched Colsey as well? you need to get your IMDB fingers ready for this one go by the way all of a twist oh ok uh, 1922 version please um, so you're going to have to, to look that up for me um, so last night, me and Lorraine ventured off to the the world famous Panopticon Theatre in Glasgow. Um, as I've said before, it's the world's oldest surviving music hall. Um, to see a screening of the 1922 silent movie Oliver Twist um, with live orchestra. I say orchestra; it's like a fiddle, a cello, and a couple of other things. So it's like four of them. It's not an orchestra, but live music um, through the silent movie, and um, it was it was a delight. Um, starring Lon Chaney um, plays Fagin in it. Um, the wee boy who plays Oliver, you'll get his name in a second, is the wee boy that plays the kid in the Charlie Chaplin film The Kids. Right, okay. Who then, in later life, became Uncle Fester in the Adams Family TV show. Yeah, yeah. So he was the wee boy in this 1922 Oliver twist playing Oliver. Um, what a Great film. I, I guess, like, if the source material is good, it's hard to fuck it up. Um, the book was written in the kind of 80, late 1800s. Um, yeah. This was 40, 50 years after, so there's probably been a few before and lots more after. But what version is this one you went and seen? The... 1922 version. 1922, yeah. Yeah, of Oliver Twist. Um, and, again, it's one of these where you've watched the silent movie. There, there, no one's talking, 
But Jackie Coogan is the gentleman's name, Jackie, by the way, all Jackie, wasn't he? Jackie Coogan, who is Uncle Fester in the Adams family. Um, somebody asked me, is he still alive? I'm like, no, he's not fucking still alive. He was fucking born like 118 years ago. He's dead. Um, but um, what a great film. Um, it's amazing how silent pictures get so much across just through emoting and, and fucking acting, I guess. Um, you know, particularly from actors who came from the stage and just, just still learning about, you know, cameras and angles and all that kind of stuff was still fresh. But they're making these films that, that just give you so much of a story without saying a single fucking word. Uh, they're, all, they're, they're emoting to the back row. That's a big thing about it as well. Yeah. Not, there's no subtlety to the acting when it comes to silent movies. It's very yeah. much be, yeah. as big as, be as big as you possibly can be. You know, and there's like you watch like that's why like it was like a golden age for comedy as well because like the slapstick just plays so well on yeah like, on that level. You know, you can't really have little subtle side guys. You have to just go for the big fall, the big massive you know stunt work and all that kind of stuff to make it funny. Um, and like I said, like something like Oliver Twist. That's why things like Oliver you know Oliver Twist and Christmas Carol and the things that get remade every couple of years. It's because they are universal stories that. The story worked the first time around and people love the story, so it makes sense. They're, they're classics for a reason. And, yeah. you know, if something's a classic, it, it's hard to fuck it up. And, and this this just really excels. Um, I, I, I want to mention in particular Lon Cherry, um, who back then was known in Hollywood as a man of a thousand faces because he was very much like, I guess what you would call a method actor now, where you know, he became the character. The character, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in this, he's playing Fagin, um, and all the way through, he's playing this narrowed-up wee old man who, on camera, he honestly looks about four foot tall. Mm. He's narrowed over and hunched and, you know, scraggly and horrible. And I was looking it up, and the, the actor himself, he's about five foot seven. Yeah. But when you're watching it, you're just like, you know, he is this this character. Um I seen him last year in the Phantom of the Opera, and again, he's this hideous, grotesque character. You know, he, he really did define. I guess he is like a pioneer for, for you know, special effects and makeup. You know, this is back in the day when actors done their own makeup and stuff like that as well. And back then, I think makeup was you know a fake beard and a fake moustache means you're a bad guy. That was it. Mm-hmm. Lone Cherry was just doing stuff. You know, he was you know, he was building complex characters that you know you really kind of went on on a journey with and you felt with um but all the while without talking and stuff like that it's that i'm so intrigued by the man now he's, he's really kind of captured me and i'm I kind of want to see more and more and more of him um he's absolutely amazing um but what a great wee film and having the live music um it it sounds quaint but you know it adds so much as well you know yeah. just having this wee orchestra sitting there playing away um I would recommend to anyone that's never seen a silent movie or, or you know, don't kind of dismiss them and stuff like that, go and see one. Um, because yeah. film making is a skill and more so to convey a story without words is is an absolute art form that, that is just outstanding. Outstanding. This, partly this film is sort of lost up until the 1970s and 70s. it was found in Yugoslavia. That's right, yeah, yeah. And apparently they, they still don't have the original soundtrack for it, so they don't no. know what the original score would have been. So they there's use couple, like, There's also stuff missing. I think there's supposed to be eight reels of it, and I think they've only got, like, say, seven and a half, because there's, like, stills from scenes that they've got but it, it, like, that, that are not in the film. The film, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Interestingly, so, it was made 
1922. Okay, so that's right at the very start of like, essentially cinema. You know, that's yeah, your, yeah. your very early days. Do yeah. you want to guess what number in the adaptation list is one of all the twists in 1922? Right, so, so the book itself by that point was probably a classic. I'm going to say that's probably the sixth or seventh adaptation at that point. You are correct with the first guess. It's a sixth adaptation of the um, of the story, which is kind of insane. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, because like that. This is the very early days of you know cause the book was published in 1838. So the, the, at that point, the book's about 90 years old. Yeah, yeah. it's probably been on the stage of quite a lot as well. So the story's not a new story, but the idea that like they were making all these movies and making them quickly, making them fat, but yeah, this still get made this many times in that short space of time. Like you know, surely. And it also makes you realise that like the cinema model hasn't really changed. Like audiences still just go for what they know. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, yeah. like that'll sell. Yeah, because since since then there's been God knows how many remakes of Oliver Twist as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but this is a fine adaptation. Um, scoring it eight out of ten easily. Um, you know, sometimes. It, as you touched on earlier on, the, the big theatrical gestures are quite jarring because we're now a modern cinema audience and we don't need that anymore. Um, but, you know, when you see the subtleties of like Lone Cheney and the, the wee boy, he was eight years old at the time of making this movie, he's, a, he's like the Haley Joel Osment of back then. Do you know what I mean? He's just this absolute amazing wee kid actor back when acting was still a fucking, you know, the camera was still an almost unknown thing um i mean this was probably the height of his fame because he'd done the kid in 1921 yeah and he'd done this in 1922 so this is probably the height of yeah like, when he was the big you know the big thing he's i'm looking at from i'm looking at jackie coogan filmography right now there's a uh, lot of shit in there i think it for what i've kind of read about him, he was pretty badly treated by studios and he was just kind of farmed out to do all kinds of shit and nonsense which is a shame because Let's say he's eight years old and he puts a lot of actors to shame. Just so much heart in a performance. I mean, it's, it's it was it was working right up to 1984. Mm, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But like, obviously, he would have been in, like tied up in like the whole studio system, and the studio would have owned your contract, and you couldn't yeah. do anything. So you'd probably been breaking out of that, and yeah. So he's definitely a man who's been been around and, and definitely done the, you know, done the done the business essentially. But yeah, he's, he's definitely he's a guy who's. You know, he had his heyday. Uh, you know, he worked with the greats. You know, he worked with Lloyd Cheney. He worked with Chaplin. You know, he's done all right in that respect. You know, you know, he, he's part of cinema history. Do, do you know yeah. what I mean? He's firmly embedded in there. Um, but I, I would really recommend to anyone, you know, go and experience a silent movie um, if you haven't, because it is, it's a revelation, and it does show you that you know storytelling, when done well. It's, it's fucking storytelling. You get it. Do you know what I mean? It, it, you know, the, the, the story's there. You get it. It's, it's amazing. Um, what the- no, it was, um, it was in a film in 1925 called Old Clothes um, that was starring Joan Crawford. I never thought of Joan Crawford as a silent actress. Neither did I. No, totally. No. She must have been, must have been very young at this point in time to uh, be doing that, but I never really thought of Joan Crawford as being that. You I know, think it was, I was reading up about, I was reading some stuff about Will and Jerry, and I think it was possibly Joan Crawford that said that she learned more from watching him acting in a film that she was in him with than mm-hmm. she has in her whole kind of time in, you know, Hollywood and stuff like that. Like just watching this man, she just, that's where she learned pretty much what it is right. to act and stuff like that. 
Um, but it's, but, it's just when you think of like I would I would have thought she'd be like sort of like in my mind she's like sort of a forty star like yeah. you know, at it's that level not yeah. starring in silent movies. Yeah, it's it, it, you've touched on it before that the amount of movies that have been lost and will never mm. be about is is heartbreaking, especially silent films. There must be so many out there that are just. Yeah. Gone. I never and but that reckon I never thought of Chaplin and Crawford as contemporaries. Which they are. Yeah. They are in every sense, yeah. But in my mind, yeah. it was like Chaplin came first, and then Crawford and that came after. And you know, mm. the idea of them being like together seems odd. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's insane. But I guess it's testament to like, I mean, how fast things have moved on. I mean, this is mm. only hundred years ago as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, for then to now is is fucking insane. You know, leaps and bounds. Um, so it's, it's great. I was reading a story apparently um, at this, during COVID, like, they opened cinemas up again. There was a guy at the Sheffield Cinema, and he was in the cinema world, and cinema were talking, like, put something up about him saying that the first film he saw in the cinema was like King Kong, like the original King Kong release in the 1930s. Wow. He was only like six years old or something when he saw it. And then the first film he saw back in the cinema, he went and seen King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh. And it's sort of like, imagine a guy who, when he's six years old, saw like, like, King Kong, like the version of that, and then all of a sudden he's now seen like fucking hell. <laughs> like, you know, like like put them together, and it's like right. wow, you know, this like, is progress. The, the, the guy still just loves cinema, regardless of even he's he's watched it develop and change and move on and and do all that kind of stuff. Even like I think must be like in his well, he's like probably late nineties. He still just loved cinema, and that's that's what he wanted to see. But you wonder if that'll be us, you know, in like sixty years time. Look, look at just now, like even with fucking when I used to watch horror films back in the 70s and 80s you know, like, you know, like Evil Dead and stuff like that when mm. it's all green screen and stuff like that practical effects are becoming less and less of a thing so we're going to mm. get to the point where that's going to be yeah. of silent well, movies compared to what we get now possibly. There'll be one film made every 20 years with practical effects and we'll all love it but in reality it's, like it's, it's just a one a one off <laughs> done all the time, a bit like done with, when we done The Artist like about a decade ago Yeah, you which know. I've never seen is it good? Honest. Yeah, I, I didn't dislike it. Yeah, I, 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 I need to, I need to watch it. Um, sir, you are freaking me out because you look very much like Holly from Red Dwarf at the moment. <laughs> I'm in, the, I'm in, I'm not a light on now because the wife is in the living room. A dark room, and you're just a disembodied head. It is very fucking weird. <laughs> we are all next week calls. We don't have much on next week. The only thing we have on is the new Poirot movie from Kenneth Branagh, and that is. A haunting Venice. in Venice. So I'm looking forward to this one. It looks like a proper kind of creepy horror um, Poirot, which I'm very yeah. invested in. Yeah. Um, I very much enjoyed the first um, Brana version. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to even venture to say that, uh, although I could pick holes in it all day, I did enjoy the second one as well. I think the not second one suffered was by having a cast, like the lead lady in the cast, just did not compare to the rest of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quite possibly, Miss Goodall, we're talking about you. Yes. And lots of unnecessary fucking green screen as well of Egypt. Yeah, much so, yeah. yeah. So I think this one, is, it seems a much more like they're in one building type thing, almost like it's just sort of very one location-y type thing. So, and Bran, I can direct. Bran knows how to direct a movie. Oh, um, yeah. He's, again, got a very good cast together, and I, I kind of enjoy his version of Poirot. And now that we've had the origin of the moustache, we can now, we don't have to do that again. So we can, that, that'll save 15 minutes of the film. <laughs> it was a good audience, and no, I enjoyed it. Um, also, as well, um, just if you're interested, um, it's Batman as well. It's re-released in cinemas. Uh, the Michael Keaton original. Oh, um, right, cool. 89, Batman? Was it 89? 89. 
Yeah, is out in cinemas as well for the week. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Might go and see that as well. Um, where people find us, Colsey? Uh, number three beers in the movie, and we're on X, we're on Twitter, and we're on Facebook. Um, so look us up. But tell, tell us, you know, silent movies, good, bad, and different. Mark Duplass, good, bad, and different. Denzel Washington, always good, don't you? Always good. There's no, there's always no question of this, you know. No don't you dare, don't you fucking dare. I've been calling, you've been. Richard. Three beers in a movie.